uh, this is a day of great joy. Uh, you've had wonderful experiences of, as, of having a godly mother or a wonderful mother that's brought you up, and you've had the opportunity to pour into your children. But for many people, as Antley said early, earlier, and I thought it was so beautiful that he prayed, it's a very painful day because you have had hard relationships with your mother, or you may not even be in relationship with your mother. If that is the case, I just want to encourage you to turn to the Holy Spirit for comfort and for prayer, and because he does just great works of restoring our heart and restoring our relationships. And, um, and again, uh, some people it's hard because they want to be mothers, and they haven't been able to conceive and, you know, um, one of the scriptures that I love is Isaiah 54. It says, Sing barren women, you who've never had a baby. Fill the air with song, you've never experienced childbirth. You're ending up with far more children than all those childbearing women. God says so. Clear lots of ground for your tents. Make your tents large, spread out, spread out and think big. Use plenty of ropes, and then it goes on to say, for you're going to need lots of elbow room for your growing family. The body of Christ needs you, and he needs um, mothers in Israel. He needs people to spiritually father and mother the next generation. That's not the passage I have for today. The passage I do have for today is 2 Timothy 1, and that's 1 through 7. And I like to read it in the message. Um, this is Paul, and he's writing to Timothy, who he considers a spiritual son. And Paul is on, in his uh, last years. He knows that his time is coming shortly to a close. And Timothy has been one of his spiritual sons that he's pouring into. And so he's writing Timothy. Timothy was over the church at Ephesus. And he's writing to Timothy First Timothy and Second Timothy, he gives so much insight, so much instruction, do's and don'ts. But this is just the first seven verses of Second Timothy, and this is from the message. Paul, I, I, Paul, am on a special assignment for Christ, carrying out God's plan laid out in the message of life by Jesus. I write this to you, Timothy, the son I love so much. All the best from our God in Christ be yours, to be bold with God's gifts. Every time I say your name in prayer, which is practically all the time, I thank God for you, the God I worship with my whole life in the tradition of my ancestors. I miss you a lot, especially when I remember that the last tear, when I remember the last tearful goodbye, and I look forward to a joy-packed reunion. She love that. That precious memory triggers yet another, your honest faith. And what a rich faith it is, handed down from your grandmother Lois to your mother Eunice and now to you. And the special gift of ministry you received when I laid hands on you and prayed. Keep that ablaze. God does not want us to be shy with his gift, but bold and loving and sensible. I have to tell you, I was so convicted by this message uh, because I know God has put people in my life to uh, really impact, and, and my children, but not all, not necessarily just my children. I have two nieces in particular, that, and I know God's called me to 
mentor them for him. And a lot of times I dropped the ball. And when I read that about Paul, I thought, wow, constantly day and night thinking about him, Timothy, praying for him, so invested in the life of Timothy. And Timothy was very shy. Timothy was not a strong leader when he first came into Paul's life. And Paul spent uh, time with Timothy. He knew Timothy's weaknesses. and He knew where he really needed to address them. And he knew where he needed to pour into. And Timothy became a world changer, not just because of a godly mother and grandfather, but because somebody took the time to invest in him. So let me ask you, what are you doing with the spiritual wealth that God's given you? Whose life are you impacting for the kingdom of God? We're each running a race of life, so to speak, aren't we? Holding a baton in our, hat, in our hand, in our heart, in our witness, running for Jesus, living our lives for him. And there will come a time when we pass that baton. How will the generation following you run their race because of how you've run yours? Can you see why I was convicted? I have spent a good bit of time in prayer of repentance this week, saying, Lord, I don't want these things to continue down the generations, but I do want to leave a fragrance for you. When my time on earth is over, I want to have impacted the generation coming behind me for your kingdom. Scripture is clear on this. Listen to Psalm 78. And again, this is in the message. Listen, dear friends, to God's truth. Bend your ears to what I tell you. I'm chewing on the morsel of a proverb. I'll let you in on the sweet old truths, stories we've heard from our fathers, counsel we learned at our mother's knee. We're not keeping this to ourselves. We're passing it along to the next generation. God's fame and fortune, the marvelous things he has done. He planted a witness in Jacob, set his word firmly in Israel, then commanded our parents to teach it to their children so the next generation would know. And all the generations to come know the truth and tell their, and tell their children so they can trust in God. You know, my generation has really been called a motherless and fatherless generation in the spirit. And you've heard, you, I, I've heard that across the last uh, 10 years or so at different conferences I've gone to. And they say the reason that we are in the shape we are as a body of Christ is because we have not been spiritually parented the way we should have been. But you know what? We can make a difference, can't we? That doesn't mean that we don't start now trying to pour into the generation that come, is coming behind us. I really do believe that we will be held accountable. We are responsible for how the generation behind us will live for Jesus Christ. Bill Johnson says in one of his books uh, that he prays for his children, that, their, um, that his ceiling, his spiritual ceiling, will be their spiritual floor. In other words, they will take off from where he's left off. And so... Um, I would say that extends uh, to spiritually to the children that God brings in your life. You know, a lot of times God brings people. I don't, I, I don't want to put on you that you've got to go out and grab a bunch of people younger than you 
and start discipling them. What I'm saying is you need to be aware of the people that God puts in your life that he will cause you to impact. He will bring them to you. And there are seasons for that. I mean, some people, if you're in the CRM program, if you're going through a lot of great healing, you're in a season of receiving healing. I know for me, the person would not have been blessed if they had come into my life, you know, 10, 20 years ago. There are a lot of things that the Lord would not have wanted them to learn from me. And I always pray those out of my children a lot um, and nieces and nephews. But my point is there's a season, and God has seasons in all of our lives. Some of us were receiving healing. Some of us are in preparation. God's preparing us. And some of us are in a season or soon will be in a season where God will put people in your life to impact for his kingdom, whether it's one-on-one or whether it's ten-on-ten or whether it's in, you know, a large course um, uh, teaching type setting. He will do it. He always does. It's how it's what he did, didn't he? Jesus called 12 people to him, invested in them, spent time with them. Now, he didn't do that until he was 30. But when it was time for him to begin his ministry, God brought uh, 12 ordinary men and, they ch- and the world was changed through them. Now, we know it's the power of the Holy Spirit, too. I don't want to say that. But if you look at the life of Timothy, that it just spoke volumes to me of how we are to invest in the next generation. I believe we're to assume a responsibility. And I want to say that there's a tremendous cost. There's a price to be paid. But then there's an incredible joy. You know, when um, I was in London several years ago, Chris Jones had asked me if I would keep this young boy in our house for three months. And um, I said yes. And the first time I really remember, where is Ed? Remember meeting Ed. He was sticking his smelly feet in my face in the middle of a service. And all I could think of is I've got to cook for this guy for three months. I had no holy thoughts. I said, I'm a terrible cook. I don't like to cook. And I could think, oh, now I'm going to have to cook. And it has been so much joy. Now, um, has there been a cost to pay? Absolutely. I have to cook for Ed. But, um, it. but it's just been absolutely wonderful. It's been absolutely wonderful. But there is, what I want to say is for responsibility and from Timothy's message, Obviously, Paul spent time with Timothy, didn't he? He knew he was timid. He knew he was shy. He knew he needed a lot of encouragement. And, you know, the world beats us down. The children, when, I, when my boys call me, I don't know what the deal. If you're a teacher in here, I'm sorry. But I don't know why teachers can be so hurtful to students. Children, young people, old people, I don't care who you are, they need encouragement. We need to build each other up. And actually, I think this is such a great time to come together. We really can um, build each other up. But we need to speak life into people and draw life out of people. And Paul obviously um, knew God's call on Timothy because God imparted a gift through Paul when he laid hands on Timothy. So there was a spiritual gift imparted. Now, God doesn't always do that with those who you're going to mentor and you'll train, but sometimes he does. Sometimes he'll bring people into your life that will be um, moving in a direction that you are, and sometimes he won't. I spent a lot of time with Lex, and she's become a precious spiritual child to me. She's in worship. You would not be blessed if I was on the worship team. 
So you just have to kind of look. Who is God putting in my life today that I want to spend time, invest time, and really pray for? I was so um, convicted when Paul says, day and night he prays. Now, I pray for my children and some of the spiritual children God's given me. Oh, and by the way, I wanted to say, you know, when I was a young mother, I was disappointed when I didn't have a little girl. I have more little girls, spiritual little girls, than you can imagine. Uh, God is so unlimited, so unlimited in, in the wealth he gives you. But you need to spend time, assume the responsibility, pay the cost in time, to, on your knees, pray for the people God's given you. Prayer makes a difference. Prayer changes things. It really does. It's just not something we do because we're different. Lives are changed and lives are impacted because of prayer. We all know that. Aunt, we just gave a great, I mean, we just heard testimony of what happened as, as a result of prayer. And, you know, the cost, there is a cost because when you love so deeply, to the people you're pouring into when they fail. And they are going to fail. They're all going to fail. We all fail. But what we want to do is help the person up when they do fall. Does it hurt? You better believe it hurts. Of course it hurts. The greater you love, the greater the, the pain a lot of times when that happens. But you know the one who you can turn them to, don't you? I think it's been the greatest gift the more I come to know and the more I grow my intimacy with the Father, the, no, I, the more I understand it's not me my children need, it's Jesus. And the more I can reflect that to them, that I have confidence in them even when they do fall because I know how he's picked me up. You know, we reflect the God we know, don't we? Whenever I'm training um, prayer ministers, if I can invade uh, anything, it's to you reflect the God you know. A lot of people look for spiritual gifts and all that, and that's really wonderful. We need God's spiritual gift, but you need to reflect with confidence the love you have, the relationship you have with the God you know. We role model so much the people put it, that um, God puts in our lives. I was thinking about that story um, when Jesus was on the boat with his disciples, and remember the wind and the waves and all of that? Can you imagine the conversation those disciples had when they got back together? I mean, you know, I, I would have thought, he wasn't even nervous. I mean, he slept. I mean, I just can't. You know, but then later, after they got over the trauma, it would be like, how secure is he? How secure is he? What an impact that must have made. I think we role model so much without even, um, without even uh, saying much. And, you know, I was thinking when we were worshiping, the image came to me of a relay race, like in the track field. And I thought, you know, people are watching us run. When I say run, I mean live our life, run our race for God. Are we running with passion and pursuit and purpose? So when it's their time to run, will they get up early in the morning? Will they spend time with the Lord? Will they be eager to grow? Will they spend time with people that will pour into their lives and will they spend time with people that they can influence? Will they love passionately? Will they pursue Jesus purposely? Now, you know, I know a lot of people are saying, well, God could never use me if you only knew what I have done. 
Well, the impact that you have to be for an overcomer, to be an overcomer in Jesus Christ. Let me tell you about my aunt. Let me tell you about my uncle. They were in Paul, Graham Cook. I was listening to him last night. He came from a family of uh, criminals. He spent many times, well, I don't know if many times, he spent time in prison. He is a huge overcomer. What is the fragrance that he'll leave from the life he's lived? And I'm not saying that we're also to have a public ministry. You know, we say a lot that we don't take, we don't take our life too seriously, but yet our life, we have one shot. We have one shot to make a difference for Jesus Christ. And when it's your time to pass the baton to the next generation, how do you want them to run? How do you want them to run? How will you be remembered? How will you be remembered? And I just want to close this by saying, again, just I love the scripture when Paul said, I can't wait to get back for the joy-filled reunion. You know, when I was, um, Rutledge and I were in a church in Charleston, and it was so much fun because a whole bunch of us, we were growing together, we were learning together, and that was great. But all my conversations and all my life was lived with um, peers. You know, have you ever heard the saying that you're supposed to have a Paul above you, a Barnabas beside you, and a Timothy underneath you? In other words, somebody to pour in you, somebody to walk with, and somebody that you're pouring into? Well, all I had was um, Barnabas's, and unless I was going to a conference or I was reading books or whatever, and that's what we did. And there came a time when God separated us, and I did not like it. I was miserable because I wanted to be with people who were where I was. But now when I look back and I realize God separated all of us, why? Because it was a season that we then weren't to invest in other people. We then were to invest in other people. And it is so much fun when I get back with us. Now, first of all, I love getting with all the people that God has uh, given us. I love that. I love getting with them. And I also love getting with people that God raised me up with, people that are sharing the, um, the work of the ministry, so to speak. I love that. I love getting with Shannon and Laurie, and we go and we talk. But I have to have a heads up to say, okay, how am I making a difference? A checkup. So that's what I want to leave with you this morning. And it doesn't matter, again, whether you're a biological parent or not. If you're a man or a woman, you are called to be a spiritual parent. And so you have a responsibility for the next generation. You will pay a price, especially in time. But it is so worth it because of the joy that's reaped. When you see the ones that you're mentoring getting their wings, When you see the ones that you're mentoring falling and then getting back up and running, the joy is so worth it. And so that's what I wanted to leave you with. If you're someone in the prayer time um, that you really feel like, you know, I'm going through a season of healing right now, and I so uh, want to be whole because I want to be able to give a life. I want to have a life to really give. Or, you know, I really feel like God is preparing me right now. I want to learn all I can. I want to take the prayer ministry course. I really want to move in power because I really want to make a difference with my life. If you feel, and I really do feel like sometimes the church can slumber, 
if you really feel like you've gotten complacent and you really um, have settled, in other words, your fire is kind of burning dim, and you need the Holy Spirit to come and fan into flame, like it says in that scripture, the gift that God has given you so you could make a difference for him. The gifts are not for you. If you need a wake-up call, so to speak, get back in the saddle and move out and ride the race of your life, run the race of your life. It takes prayer. I cannot tell you. I heard somebody say sometime, and it is so true. When God sends you out, you're ready to stay home. And that's true. That's really true. I need prayer all the time. Lord, give me the energy to get back up and go. I want my life to be lived, not just lived. I want to be lived with passion and purpose and pursuit. So if you need prayer in any of those areas, I'd love to pray with you. And I'd love for you to close in prayer. Can't we?